Hello, welcome to the Patient Activation Network podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cavallo. I have with me today Phyllis Quinlan. Phyllis is the author of Bringing Shadow Behavior into the Light of Day, Understanding and Effectively Managing Bullying and Incivility in Healthcare. Phyllis, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's a pleasure to have you here, and it's such a great topic. Before we get into the topic, Mm -hmm. can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I have been a nurse for 40 years, and I've been a nurse entrepreneur for 26. I've had my consulting firm, MFW Consultants, uh, since 1994, and it's a multiple-service consulting firm, but one of the pieces that I do do um, is I'm a transformational coach. And I do a lot of coaching of professional and family caregivers. And let's talk a little bit about bullying and healthcare. I mean, this is a topic that most people don't discuss. No, it's, it's considered the elephant in the room. You know, everybody knows it's there. Everybody, unfortunately, knows that it thrives. But uh, we, we just don't know what to do with disruptive behavior. We are just not comfortable in addressing the disruptive behavior. And as I suggest in the title of the book, the, the issue is a shadow. Um, it's really behind the scenes. Very, very rarely will a bully bully you in public. They have to feel very secure and untouchable in order to have the audacity to do that. Most bullying is in the shadows where a person is isolated, there's nobody to witness it, so it's my word against your word, you misunderstood what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of things that, unfortunately, shadow behavior supports the bullying. So unless we're proactive about this, Um, and start to shed some light on this behavior, it's still going to be with us for a long time to come. And as you were a nurse on the floor, did you ever go through any of this behavior, experience it on your own? Sure I did. I I don't think you can be in healthcare today um, or practice for 40 years where you haven't bumped up against some real, really fine-tuned chronic incivility on the part of your, uh, your caregiver colleagues. And, um, and certainly bullying. Um, I had an opportunity with the Association of Perioperative Nurses, and I happened to be their career coach. I, hap- I had the opportunity with them to crisscross the country back in 2016 and really talk to uh, middle and executive nursing uh, leaders um, in 10 states about the issue of bullying and civility. One of the things that really came out of that and is captured in the book is that Every, pretty much every nurse leader, whether it was executive, upper, or middle management, agreed that 85% of their staff shows up to work ready, willing, and able to do world-class care and be a good colleague on the unit each and every day, which leaves us then with about 15% of people engaging in disruptive behavior that really starts to create an unhealthy work environment. When we drill down a little bit more, Again, those same leaders said of the 15% of that disruptive behavior, they pretty much felt that 10% could be attributed to chronic incivility, which left then 5% to be true bullying. And for the sense of just definition, bullying is a behavior that leaves the target feeling abused, vulnerable, um, uh, frightened, it, it, no one should go to work, you know, feeling that they're going to have to work with people who make them feel vulnerable, frightened, disrespected, and, and potentially threatening their job. 
So the question I put to the healthcare leadership was, if there was a 5% spike in anything that was a nurse-sensitive indicator, and that would be patient falls with injuries or the development of a pressure ulcer or um, infections from you know, uh, catheterizations or central venous access things, things that are in the domain of nurses to control. If there was a 10% spike in any of those quality indicators, or a 5% spike rather, in any of those quality indicators, wouldn't we have a plan in place in five minutes to address that and address it effectively? So the question became, if we are saying that the most harsh form of disruptive behavior, bullying, is only 5% of the disruptive behavior that we deal with in the workplace, why aren't we effectively managing that? It's only 5%. And the answer I really came up with is that we do not know enough about working with disruptive behavior. We do an excellent job of training uh, leaders and training clinicians in how to deal with the multiple aspects of patient care. But aside from our beloved colleagues in behavioral health, very few of us really know how to work with behavior, aberrant or disruptive behavior, effectively. So people tend to overlook it. And then dealing with behavior requires time and it requires effort, it requires resources. And not everybody has time and the ability to focus on this and the resources. One of the laments that I hear from the leaders is that I spend all my time engaging with the people who are engaging in disruptive behavior. And the 85% of the people who are really doing a great job and want to continue to do a great job don't get me as a leader. I'm neglecting them. You know, I, I think for some of our audience that... Uh, is outside of the nursing pr profession, they might be surprised and shocked by this behavior because, you know, they view nurses as their partners in care. Where do you think this behavior or this incivility comes from on right. the floor? It, it's a true dichotomy to have bullying and incivility be so rampant in a caring profession. And, you know, I, I do want to say that, the, you know, the book addresses health care. It's not just nursing, unfortunately, but it's all of the caring professions. And it, it, it truly leaves you scratching your head wondering, how did this happen? Um, there's, a, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things. I will put to you that since 1985, when we um, started going to prospective payment and the DRG method, and really the, the economic uh, fuel behind delivering a model of care and healthcare changed effectively in 1985. We really haven't put our foot on solid ground. It was uh, prospective payment with DRGs, then capitation, then managed care, then bundled care, the Affordable Care Act. No, not the Affordable Care Act. Wait, wait, maybe the Affordable Care Act. And, and, and when you are trying to design a model of care and figure out how you're going to be paid for that model of care, you're in survival mode. And if you know anything about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that's the basis, right? That you're in survival mode. How are we going to stay alive to be able to serve patients? And that's the big economic question in healthcare. When you're talking about, you know, really addressing and creating a healthy work environment, well, that's really at the top of the rung. I believe the key here is that healthcare in general has not done enough to encourage the development of emotional intelligence in its practitioners from top to bottom, from the top executive down to the, the, you know, the, all the support services. And that while other industries around the country 
you know, if you go to Google, emotional intelligence training is, is a mandate. If you go to any of the other major companies across the country, emotional intelligence development, really honing the competencies of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness and relationship management, is really the key to effective team building and it, it, it's vital because we're living in a time in healthcare where skills and knowledge are not enough. We have to be able to engage with one another. One of the big reasons why the Joint Commission is, is really showcasing the problem of disruptive behavior is that we know that it is a key reason for an unhealthy work environment. And anything, anything that will contribute to an unhealthy work environment contributes to caregiver distraction. And when, you have, when you're distracted and not focusing on what you're doing, there is a decrease in quality, but more importantly, an increase in the risk for an untoward event. So this is something now that we, we must put light on. We can no longer leave it in the shadows. We have to start putting in effective programs so that people who work in healthcare realize it's, you become a citizen of that organization and therefore there is a code of conduct that comes along with citizenship. Do you think that some of the reason that this behavior remains in the shadows is due to the fact that people fear retaliation? Uh, yes, that is that is a part of it, um, and 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 certainly, you know, if you know anything about abusive people who engage in abuse, whether it's child abuse or elder abuse or any type of abuse. Part of that mentality is the threat that it will get worse if you reveal this, or I'm too powerful for you to fight me. So, you you know, they really play to your the victim side of that individual. And that's where that vulnerability comes in. And unfortunately, bullies are very good at targeting people who will be vulnerable to that. The other piece is, quite honestly, remember this is a care, this is an industry of caring professionals, caregivers like to help and they like to fix things and as leaders we always feel that if we just give a little bit more effort we could probably cure a rainy day not so with bullies bullies are counting on you and i think it's one of the reasons why bullying thrives in caring professions is that you know it's kind of like you know dillinger you know where, where why do you rob banks well that's where the money is you know, why do you, how can you engage in, in disruptive behavior, bullying specifically in a healthcare organization? It's because it's filled with caregivers who will unfortunately just go to the edge of enabling this behavior to continue by not effectively managing it, by trying to be patient with it, by saying, uh, you know, by listening to the bully tell you exactly what you want to hear um, in the terms of I'm sorry and I'll get better. But bullies and one of the hallmark signs that you are dealing with a true bully as opposed to someone who's dealing in chronic incivility is that a bully can never sustain a change in behavior. It's very cyclical. There will be an episode, there will be a promise of reform, there will be remorse, and then unfortunately there will be more irritability that happens and then another episode. They cannot sustain the promise of reform. Well, that's very interesting in itself. I, I have a couple of questions along those lines. Uh, my first one would be, you know, reporting this behavior uh, without that fear of retaliation. How do you coach organizations that empower people that are being bullied to step forward out of the shadows? So the, the book is really 
aimed at um, the audience of the middle, upper, and executive leader in the organization, whether that's nursing, medicine, any of the caring professions. And the first rule is never take on a bully by yourself. They have narcissistic attributes, and a narcissist is always very clever, and they've been practicing that narcissistic behavior their entire life. You might be new to leadership, and your skills in leadership and how to manage bullying behavior cannot match the lifelong way of living that a narcissist brings to the table. You must engage your, your executive leadership. You must engage human resources. And there has to be at least a three-point approach to documenting and trying to work with the person engaging in bullying behavior in order for you to stay safe in order for them not to turn the tables on you and make it look like you're harassing them or bullying them, in order for the documentation to be put in place and hopefully the opportunity to live your life in a different way is offered to this person. But there has to be a coordinated effort between the frontline manager dealing with this behavior, that person's executive leadership, and human resources. And to follow up on that, you said that this behavior doesn't often get reformed. If, if it's going to be a chronic behavior, how do you, can you move them to reform? And if you can't, what is the plan? So let's talk about the two different categories. If, if, you're, if you have someone who's dealing in chronic incivility, I put to you that a person who's become that cynical and that uncivil has reasons why that has happened to them. That's not usually a choice. Um, It is probably the consequence of either life events or professional events wearing them down and having them really distance themselves from their authentic caring selves. So I put to you that someone who's chronically uncivil can benefit from coaching, training in emotional intelligence, using tools like uh, applied positive psychology, and of course, all the other education that that might benefit that person in showing them that they can manage their stress differently. They can re-engage into their caregiving population in a much more authentic way that's reminiscent of when they started practicing before life wore them down. That takes a great deal of investment and time and usually the services of a coach because there has to be some Uh, accountability and again some monitoring on a regular basis that usually unit leadership cannot invest in. When you're dealing with a bully, um, again because they cannot sustain that reform, somebody who's chronically uncivil over time can make a different choice in how to engage with the world. A bully doesn't and if you think again to, to make the analogy that a bully is a narcissist, one of the first things that you need in order to reform is the ability to, to actually acknowledge and believe that you can do better. Narcissist is not going to accept the fact that they're engaging wrong. It's going to be all about you not engaging me correctly. So if, if you can't do the first step of acknowledging that there is indeed an issue, there is no remediation. There can only be documentation of ongoing events, which ultimately, unfortunately, may lead to the person leaving that organization. We're talking to Phyllis Quinlan, author of the book, Bringing Shadow Behavior into the Light of Day, Understanding and Effectively Managing Bullying and Incivility in Healthcare. Phyllis, what could someone who purchases this book expect to learn? 
It's a short book. It's it's a 90-some-odd pages. It's really an outline of just a brief overview of the impact of bullying and incivility on the healthy work environment and the temperament of that of those 85% of people who are truly trying to do a good job. It's a step-by-step approach that outlines how you deal with a bully versus how you deal with someone who's engaging in chronic incivility. It introduces the concepts of... Um, emotional intelligence, competency building, and it also offers you some documentation tools because as we know, you're so busy doing your job that to have to stop and document things when you have to because that will be a human resource requirement, you don't. You want to make that documentation process very slick and quick so that you can do a lot of just-in-time coaching and just-in-time documentation to then have something to work off and build an action plan with that person. And where can people go if they want to learn more about you and your book? So you can go to my website, which is mfwconsultants2professionals.com, mfwconsultants.com. And on my website um, are all the icons that will take you to my blog, I Care for Caregivers, uh, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, my Tumblr, and my YouTube channel. I have a lot of um, uh, videos on my YouTube channel discussing, discussing emotional intelligence and bullying and incivility. The books can be purchased there as well. And we'll make sure we share all those links and resources on our podcast notes. Phyllis, as we're getting to the end of the broadcast here, do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with the audience? I I really do. I, I would love to send this message to leadership. I think we all know when we're looking at our engagement scores, our staff engagement scores, our patient satisfaction scores, we're all realizing that the humanistic piece of healthcare is back. All right, and that we certainly we're still sell, you know dealing with some some economic issues within healthcare, but the humanistic piece is back, which means that in order for us to have staff engagement and, and then patient satisfaction, we're going to have to create the healthiest work environments we possibly can. And dealing with bullying and incivility is a fundamental piece of creating a healthy work environment. Well, Phyllis, thank you so much for stopping by and and sharing all this great information. I mean, creating the proper care environment definitely leads to uh, better healing on the the end of the patient. You bet. So we can't thank you enough for your work in the field. She's Phyllis Quinlan, author of Bringing Shadow Behavior into the Light of Day, Understanding and Effectively Managing Bullying and Incivility in Healthcare. I'm Matt Cavallo. This has been the Patient Activation Network podcast. We look forward to bringing you another inspirational story soon.